Welcome to the New Life Podcast. We are a church in Masson, Ohio, and our goal is to let everyone know that God can give them new life. So whether you are local to our area or you are just tuning in for some encouragement today, I pray that this episode will bless and propel you forward to live that life that God has called you to live. make some noise. Praise the Lord, everybody. How many is glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Such a very bright morning. (laughs) Praise the Lord. I give honor this morning to my ministry, to my pastor, to this church. I'm grateful to be here. Um, I'm going to kind of spin off of what I taught about a couple weeks ago, but if we could all stand for the reading of the word, we're going to turn in 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to be reading, you know, we're going to be reading a couple verses here. So, praise the Lord. How many had a good week? God's good, you know it? You know, you could go throughout your entire week and you could find things to be upset about and you can find things to be sorrowful about and you can find things to be mad about. That's easy. It's easy to find the things to be upset about and mad about and life just hurting you. What sometimes takes a little bit of effort is finding the good things in life. But there's one thing that us Christians have an advantage of is that we can wake up every single morning and be grateful because we have God. That's the first thing you can be grateful for. Amen? Amen. First Kings chapter 19 starting verse 1 and then we are going to read all the way to verse 13. And Ahab told Jezebel all, all that Elijah had done, and with how, with Hall, how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. And Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also. If I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time, meaning she was going to kill them as the others were slain. And when he saw that, being Elijah, he rose and went for his life. He came to Beersheba, where he, which belongeth to Judea, and left his servants, servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. And he came and sat under a juniper tree. And he requested for himself that he might die. He prayed to God, Lord, take my life. I'm ready to go. He said, It is enough. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under the juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at, at his head. And he did eat and drink and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him. And he said, Arise and eat, because thy journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink. And he went in the strength of that meat forty days and forty nights. Okay, he fasted forty days and forty nights. 
And he came thither unto a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him and said unto him, What doest thou here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts. Meaning he envied after him. He wanted him. He desired of him. For the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down thine altars, and slain thy prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. And they seek my life to take it away also. He didn't tell them that, you know, he had just prayed that God takes his life. Okay? He had just prayed, Lord, take my life. Now he's complaining to God that somebody else wants to take his life. Okay? <laughs> So that kind of goes back to that point. He really, when he prayed that to God, there was a portion of him that probably thought that. But his entirety did not want that. His entirety did not desire that. He was just in a low point in his life. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. And a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. I don't know about you. But I have never been in a storm so strong that it broke rock. It's not something that I have ever been in. I don't think you probably have ever been in it. That is a very strong storm if it's able to break the rocks of the mountain. But the Lord was not in the wind. <clears throat> and after the wind, an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. Watch this. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And it was so when Elijah heard it that he wrapped his face in his mantle and went out and stood in the, in, into the entering of the cave. And behold, there came a voice unto him and said, What doest thou here, Elijah? I want to talk to you this morning about listening for the voice. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's go before the Lord and pray. God. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this time, God. We ask you that you open up our ears, God, that we hear your word. Open up our hearts, Lord. Allow us, God, to be weak, God. Allow us, allow us to be weak in your mind, Lord Jesus, and allow us to receive what you have, your strength in your meat, God, that it will strengthen us and encourage us, God. Allow us in this morning, God, to receive what you would have. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Clap your hands. Give him praise. Give God glory. You may be seated this morning. <clears throat> this morning I want to talk about a subject comparable to the last time I spoke on a Sunday morning when I was teaching, but as a different aspect, and that is listening for the voice of God in your life. The last time I spoke, the subject was the process of waiting, Waiting for a desire, waiting for a need, or waiting for maybe a healing. That sometimes is not always how we expect it to be. Waiting is very different in God. And the process really has no timetable. And is only subject to God's will. Meaning we cannot push God's will for forward. We cannot accelerate God's will. Okay, God's will is set in stone. What he has for your life and what he desires for you, that's set. We cannot push his will forward. But an important part of waiting is listening. As a father, instantly I'm reminded when my children are doing something, I ask them to stop. Stop. Nolan, stop. Jensen, stop. 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 
okay? I normally have to ask about 6,750,000 times before they even hear me, okay? That's, that's, that's how a father, a mother, that's how children are. And we might ask the question, question why? Why is it that we have to ask or tell them so, so many times? It's hard sometimes for us to grasp as adults, and it can make us angry at our children. But when kids are focused on something and having fun, or focused on something that is engaging their imagination or engaging their, uh, their attention, they're really not looking for your voice. They're really not looking, they're not scanning the airways for mommy and daddy's voice. It is oftentimes not something that they purposely do. Now, don't get me wrong. Okay? There are children in life, sometimes mine, that will purposely ignore you. You know, like when you're sitting there and they got their hand up on the countertop and there's a cookie right there and you say no and they're kind of like this. They're listening to you, it's just they really want the cookie. But oftentimes it's not like that. Their, their, their attention is engaged, so they just, they don't hear you. They don't hear your voice. Now, the same can be said with men. Okay? And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just... I'm just going to lift some men up in this place this morning, okay? Wives, cut us some slack, because sometimes we're just not, we're not listening in the airways. We're not listening for a voice. It's not that we're trying to ignore you. It just happens, okay? It just happens, all right? I feel horrible for my wife, because sometimes she'll be talking to me, and she'll be like, do you hear what I said? And I'll be like, no, I didn't. Or I'll do a more dangerous thing and try to guess what she said. And then she realizes, I have no idea, and she's like, you weren't listening. Okay? Cut us some slack, ladies. It's not that we don't want to, want to listen to you. It's just our attention span is very short sometimes. Amen? <laughs> it's not that we don't want to hear you. It's just that we're not scanning the airways at the moment. But hearing the voice of God is often one of our greatest downfalls. Because if he does not answer immediately or in the way that we want or feel that he is not scanning the airways for our prayers. He's not listening to our voices and he's not listening to our requests. He does not see our situation. He does not see what is going on in our lives. So we feel this sense of abandonment. God's not listening. He's not scanning the airways. Just sometimes we have to understand God, first off, is always listening. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere at every time. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. Our God does not miss anything. He has the hairs on your head number. He counts the crow that falls. He knows everything that happens in life. God hears you. Amen? God hears you. Just sometimes God will allow some things to happen in our life and allow us to go through situations and allow us to be hurt or illness or sickness or mental or whatever it may be. It's not because his ear is not torn, turned towards you. It's because you sometimes need to turn your ear towards him. It's not that God's not listening. Life throw things, throws things at us, no matter who you are. You could fast 40 days and 40 nights six times a year. 
in life will attack you. You could be the greatest Christian that ever walked this earth, and life will attack you. So what happens? We start trying to find the answer from God, but we don't hear God. It's because sometimes our ears are not in tune in the moment, and God will allow us to go through the pain and through that to draw us closer to Him and more in love with Him and more seeking of His voice in our life. Now, you could say when a man of God's up here preaching, it happens to me, when I'm up here preaching, God will speak to me. God will show me things. When I'm praying or studying, God will speak to me, and God will show me things. God will enlighten me, okay? But when I'm going through situations in my life, that voice is not as evident. When I'm acting in the anointing of God, God will move through me and speak through me and use me. But when I'm clouded by the own situations of my life, that voice sometimes is not as evident because there's chaos. All right, does that make sense? Okay, so there's chaos. There are times in my life where I'm like, God, I can't hear you. But then I could get up and preach the next day, and God speaks to me through my message or speaks to me while I'm preaching for somebody in the audience. But I'm like, God, what about my situation? What about my circumstance? God's just trying to draw me closer. So let's talk about Elijah. In this moment in his life, while he had just performed a powerful act against the enemy, he finds himself in a state of depression. He learns of the deaths of the prophets of Israel at the hands of Ahab, and Jezebel promises to make him the same, meaning he, she was going to kill him. So in his brilliant human mind, we are geniuses. First off, he goes into the wilderness. He willingly walks into the wilderness. When you talk about the Bible, the wilderness was a place of desolation. It was a place of that, that you could not feel God. It was a place that you did not want to go into. He willingly walks into the wilderness alone. So in his brilliant human mind, just as a lot of us do, he makes a way, better way. I got it. I'll just ask God to take my life. That makes sense to me. Of course, God has other plans. That's never the answer that God has. You know, God does not respond well to demands as to how we, he should handle our life. In fact, if we continue to do that, what will happen is we will falsely justify and say that it is God's will when it is not. Because we are so desperately looking for the answer that we desire. One of the hardest things for us to grasp as humans and humanity is that simple fact. God has a plan. And sometimes we limit ourselves to what we think because of our humanity. And therefore limit our God to what he can do. Your thoughts can limit your God to what he will do in your life. He can force it. He can say, you know what, I'm just going to do it anyway. But what God desires is for your thoughts to be in line with his thoughts. So therefore, if our thoughts are not in line with his thoughts, we inhibit and we limit what God will do in our lives because we give him no room to work. The thought is not what Elijah did. He understood that through 
though he may be weak and worn and feel like he was going to give up and, and just die in that moment, his spirit was saying, press on. His thought was saying, give up. But his spirit was saying, press on. He was told to press on. He was told to go forward. He was told to climb a mountain. You think he wanted to do that? No. You think he wanted to climb up that mountain? No. In fact, until he heard the voice of the Lord, he probably felt like giving up the whole time. Until that moment after the chaos, he probably felt like giving in that entire time. It took a long time for him to hear the voice, but he did hear the voice. So he eats. He gets to the top of the mountain where God wanted him to be. Now let's just stop right here, okay? There was a point that he was willing to climb that mountain in the first place. That's often one of the hardest points is for us to get up and move. I've seen it. I've watched while I'm either preaching or somebody else is preaching. Someone sitting in their, in their, uh, in their life's situation and hurting and pain. Because I, could, I could feel it upon them. I could feel that spirit upon them. And they refuse to just get up and begin to move. And in that moment, you inhibit, you, you stop God. Because God is not going to be someone that forces himself upon you. He wants you to move. So let's give Elijah credit because he got up and started to climb. He got up and started to go to God. See, trials and tribulations will do one of two things. It will allow you to sit under the juniper tree and sulk in your own misery. Or it will push you to climb up the mountain and do anything to hear the voice of the Lord. Now watch this. Thank you. It, watch this. It's easy to sit. It's easy to stop. It's hard to climb. Now it is important to point out that before the next process plays out in the Bible, that the Bible says that the Lord passed by. What it was indicating is that through these next scriptures, these next events in time, the Lord was not gone. He was not absent. He was there the entire time. The Bible says the Lord passed by. That means he was there in the situation. He may not have been able to hear him the whole time, but God was still there. If there's one thing that I want to, pr to press upon you and for you to realize this morning is that just because you don't hear him does not mean he's not there. He passed by you a long time ago, and he's been there from point A to point Z, like I preached last week. He's been there the entire time. Okay? You have to understand that, and you have to realize that throughout life's storms. So after the Lord passes by, we have this natural phenomenon happen. This great wind comes up, and this wind is not just an ordinary wind. It is not even hurricane force winds. It's more powerful than that. This wind is not just some little gust that comes along and blows away the trampoline. I've had it happen. The day after I got the trampoline and the day after my wife told me to secure it to the ground. Praise the Lord. <laughs> we listen, I promise. 
This wind was so powerful that it literally broke the mountain. It broke the rocks of the mountain. Think about that. It was so powerful that it began to shift them pieces of stone and crack them to where they would break down and begin to fall. Sounds familiar, right? Sometimes we have the same outlook in our life. A broken mentality. A wind that passes by so strong that it seems to break everything in our life. A wind that passes by so strong that it seems to destroy the undestroyable. I don't even know if that's a word, but it sounds good. It seems to destroy the unbreakable. It seems to crash upon us and begins to break the mountains that we felt were unbreakable. See, there are a few times where we find wind this strong in the Bible. One was when Moses passed through the Red Sea. Another, when the storm was rocking the boat and Jesus was in the back sleeping. Or maybe the sound of a rushing mighty wind that blew into the upper room and filled the house where they were sitting. In all instances, it was to break something off of them that was holding them back. The wind that blew back the Red Sea delivered and broke them from the bondage of the Egyptians. See, until that moment, they never had a sense of deliverance from the Egyptians because the Egyptians were consistently pursuing after them. They would not let them go. Sound familiar? Life, sin, chaos, consistently pursuing after us. There is a wind that can break that. The wind in the storm where Jesus was sleeping in the back of the boat, it broke them from their unbelief. Remember, they were so shocked and amazed. They said, what kind of manner of man is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. And in that moment, they understood that it was not just man, that it was God manifested in their flesh. It broke their, it broke their unbelief, and it helped them to understand the omnipotency of God's power. And thirdly, the rushing mighty wind that entered into the upper room was the presence of God filling a room and broke them from their fleshly bond to death, sin, and hell. All cases of wind, all cases of breaking. There is a reason for the wind, and that is to break you from the stuff that you thought was, excuse me, that is to break you from the stuff that is holding you back. That is to break away the things that needed to be broken away. That is to destroy the things that needed to be destroyed in order for you to move forward. Remember, it will push you up the mountain. It will cause you to move up the mountain. And that means that your trial will help you leave behind the things that you should have, have got rid of a long time ago. In order for you to move forward and hear the voice, there has to be a wind that breaks the things that are holding you back. 
trials in life are not all bad. What do you mean by that, Brother Brian? What I mean is, yes, it may be painful. Yes, you may be sick. Yes, it may be disastrous at some times in your life. It may be bad in that way. But I have often seen that before the storm, there's often stuff that are dragging you to Satan's hell. But through the storm, them things that were dragging you to hell are broken off. And gives you liberty to excel into God's kingdom. It gives you the ability to move forward. Brokenness is not a bad thing if you give it to God. God is able to do his greatest work in his brokenness, in our brokenness. The greatest testimony, hear me this morning. The greatest testimony was one that started with a broken person. The greatest testimony was one that started with someone that was broken. It is important to point out that the Bible puts more emphasis on the wind than it does the next two things that happen. Why is this? Personally, I think it's, that it's because it's one of the hardest steps. To have the wind come and shift your life and break off things in your life can be the hardest step to go through. Brokenness is not easy, but it is often necessary. Secondly, the Bible says that there was a great earthquake, earthquake, not quake, earthquake that shook the mountains. That the very foundation of Elijah was beginning to shake. I can imagine how he felt. But I'm sure that in the back of his mind, he remembered something that happened before the wind. He remembers something that happened before the earthquake, and that was that the Lord had passed by. The whole world in his life began to shake. He's probably up there doing one of these things. Have you ever guys watched a video of an earthquake? Got people just trying to stabilize themselves. And it doesn't matter what they do. Normally they cannot stand. Why is that? Because when your foundation is shaking, it's hard to stand upright. When your foundation is moving underneath you, it's hard to stay upright, okay? That's just the way it is. But it does stop. An earthquake, I've, I haven't yet seen an earthquake that has not stopped. I just had an earthquake a couple weeks ago. I can't remember where it was at, but it was like a 7.4. And it stopped. Earthquakes do stop. There are around 15 times in the Bible where the Bible talks about earthquaking or moving. And in every one of them, there is a representation of change and change coming. One that you could instantly point to is when Jesus died on the cross, there was an earthquake. The foundations begin to shift. Another one could be the point where Moses went up into the mountain to find the Ten Commandments. He didn't know he was going to get the Ten Commandments, but he went up there. The mountain was shaking. It had fire. It had smoke all around it. When the earthquakes, one major component happens, a clash. Two tectonic plates clashing together, causing the earth and the foundation to shift underneath us, coming together and clashing, beating against each other. 
oftentimes you will find mountain ranges around tectonic plates because when they clash, they often push upwards. In fact, you could argue that the mountain that Elijah was on in that moment was set on a tectonic plate. Earthquakes are the cause of things clashing and causes the foundation to change, literally. It is not just the shaking of the earth, but the foundation is literally changing. If we look at our two examples, both were foundational shifts in mankind's history. Moses would receive the Ten Commandments that would establish the first Christian law that would echo throughout time and give us an insight to what sin is. The Old Testament gives us an outlook as to what sin is. Now, we are not bound by the law, but we are affected by the sin that law dictated to us. Sin is sin. We are under grace, yes, but we still should avoid sin. Paul said, should I sin freely that grace abound? He said, God forbid. He was telling us that the law created, or not created, told us what sin was. Uh, Therefore, we should look to the law to identify what sin is. And in this moment, where Moses went up into the mountain and got the Ten Commandments, it was the beginning of a foundational shift in the Israelites' life, in Christianity. What is one of the first things that you learn in Sunday school? The Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not lie. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not murder. Seems pretty obvious with some of them. But you've got to teach thou shalt not murder. God help us. (laughs) But it was a foundational shift. This is the first time a law was ever established in the world. There had never been any law before this. Any true law, there was never any true law that was moral before this. There was consciousness, there was conviction, there was things that we knew that they thought to be wrong, but there was never an actual godly moral law until this moment. A foundational shift. Secondly, when Jesus died on the cross, there was a foundational shift. It was the establishment and the beginning of the access of salvation in our life. Without Jesus dying on the cross, there would not be repentance. There would not be baptism in Jesus' name. And there would not be the infilling of the Holy Ghost. So when Jesus died on the cross and the earth began to shake, it was a foundational shift that gave us access to the power of the kingdom of God. It gave us access to the power of the name of Jesus Christ. A foundational shift. But in order for it to happen, there had to be a shaking. There had to be a quaking. What are we getting at here? When we go through life, there are things we find ourselves not listening. There are times where we find ourselves not listening to the voice of God because we see everything else going on. We see the wind. We see the quaking. Like the wind and like the shaking of the earth, they distract us. But you must understand that them things that may be distracting are necessary for you to grow from your trial. Remember, God was there the whole time. 
with Elijah, but when everything was going on, Elijah could not hear him. When the chaos was going on, Elijah could not hear the voice of God when it pertained to him. First, in this process of seeking God's voice and listening, there is the brokenness of the wind. Then there is the foundational shift that will change the way you walk moving forward. It will change the way you pray. It will change the way you fast. It will change the way you worship. It will change the way you do everything in life because it is that much of a shift. And you can allow it to be a change for the good or you can allow it to be a change for the bad. You can allow the earthquaking to make you withdraw from God's presence or you can allow it to listen even harder for the voice of God. Listen, God brought you here for a reason. God brought you this far for a reason. He wants you to hear his voice. It can cause you to stop, or it can cause you to listen even harder. It is okay to be shook once in a while. It's all right. There's nothing wrong with it. Just watch this. One of the greatest sights, a couple of the greatest sights this world will ever see is Mount Everest. And its size, it's almost majestic, it's beautiful, it's huge, and it's might. It's taken lives because of those foolish enough to climb it. Mount Kilimanjaro, beautiful. Look it up. Not just on the Lion King. Okay? Look it up in real life. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. What and how would them mountain ranges ever be created? The mountain ranges were created because two tectonic plates crashed together and pushed upward and created the mountain. Meaning that when your earth shakes and your tectonic plates to come together, it's not to create a valley. It's to push you upward. It's to get you further up. Your foundational shift will push you higher into more beautiful heights than you could ever imagine. So after the wind and after the quake came the fire. Now this is the last step in the process I'm talking about today. Fire in its natural state has an overwhelming attribute. One that cannot be denied. That fire can destroy and burn anything. In fact, you think about a diamond, oh, well, you know, a diamond. That's created by heat and pressure. It burns at 1,300 degrees Fahrenheit. Something like tungsten, one of the strongest steels in the world, one of the strongest metals in the world, burns and melts at 6,100 degrees Fahrenheit. What about the sun? That burns at 27 million degrees Fahrenheit. God made the sun. It consumes everything. Fire has the ability to consume anything. So when the fire burnt the mountain, what did it mean? Well, it could have meant a lot of different things, but one thing it is for sure is that it was meant to consume what it came in contact with. Two examples that we can look to in this category. One, Elijah would do when he called down fire from heaven to consume the sacrifice. 
Another, also in the upper room, where the fire came down and sat upon each of them, and it was also consuming. But these situations symbolize the death of the old, the consumption of the old, so the new could arrive. We find ourselves after the wind and the quake and the rubble left all around us. We don't know what to do. We don't know how to get rid of it all. We don't know what to do, but God does. Remember that God was there the entire time, just like God is there in your life. So the fire and the representation of consumption, all consuming all them things that broke from the wind. That shifted in the quake. It consumes the pain. It consumes all the hate. It consumes all the hurt. It consumes the illness. It consumes the mental distress. It consumes anything that it needs to consume. The fire of our living God. The Bible tells us that he did not come to give us the spirit of fear but of love and a joy and a sound mind. So why is it that sometimes we are fearful? Why is it that sometimes we are not joyful? Because God's Spirit didn't come to give you them things, but it does not mean that them things will not attack you. So we need to process to get us back on the right track and give us the ability to live a more elevated life because of what we go through but if we skip it and say I don't want it I don't want to keep going I don't want to climb the mountain or I even I don't want to all this stuff to be going on in my life I understand I do I get it but your spirit desires to press forward and when we leave and we miss the parts that are needed to make us have a greater testimony the still small voice is missed I guarantee that there was still probably a lot of noise I mean the whole mountain just was attacked by wind if that even makes sense the mountain just shook like crazy and fire came down and burnt the mountain or came out of the mountain volcano I don't know I wasn't there but I do know this. There was probably still a lot of distraction. There was probably still a lot of noise. But what the point was is that through that distraction, he had learned to focus so much uh, that it did not matter about the wind. It did not matter about the earthquaking. It did not matter about the fire burning. All he knew was to focus uh, and listen for the voice of the Lord in his life. And in that moment, he was able to hear a still, small voice. Elijah didn't want to do it. He didn't want this to happen. He told God, this is what you need to do in my life. And God is like, no, this is what I need to do in your life. And we see the wind, and we see the quake, and we see the fire, and we are like, what? Have you just thought that? I got a couple more minutes here. Have you just thought that with God? What? Come on, man. Boy, I, I just had a joke pop in my mind. <laughs> Come on, man. 
Come on, God. Really? Is this it? Is this what I'm supposed to have in my life? Come on, God. Elijah didn't want to do it. You think Elijah wanted to fast for 40 days, uh, climb a mountain, experiencing rock-crushing wind, experiencing an earthquake, uh, and then fire consuming the mountain? You think he wanted that? No, he didn't. But if you have the patience and the willingness to wait throughout everything, then there will be a still, small voice at the end that will guide you to your beginning. We oftentimes wait for a powerful voice that is overwhelming. Like a father that yells at his child. I'm going to pull the mic wave. I was at practice a couple days ago, and I'm over there putting the bases away and stuff like that. And I look up, and Jensen is on top of my truck. And without hesitation, okay, normally a mom thinks, don't yell, there are people watching. And I'm like, Jensen, get off my truck. I didn't care who was watching. You know, them parents are probably thinking, man, this coach is crazy. But my overwhelming, powerful voice caught his attention. And he got off that truck. He was scared to get out of the bed because he was like, man, I'm going to get whipped. Man. I didn't whip him. I talked to him. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But that's not what God's looking for. God is not looking for him to be able to have to say, David! He's not trying to be at the point where he has to say, Sister Coverly! He's not going to jump around and be like, Hey! Listen to me! He wants you to find his voice. Throughout the chaos, you're willing to focus where he can just say, Sister Nicole, Case, where he can just whisper and say, I'm here, and you can hear him. Where he can just whisper and say, I'm here. Now this is what I want you to do. God's not looking to yell at you. He's looking for you to find his voice. And sometimes that takes things breaking off, your foundation shifting and changing a little bit. And for them things to burn and be consumed by God's presence and fire. Is it easy? No. No. It was easy for Elijah? No. Can you do it? Yeah. You know why I know you can do it? Because the Bible says that the latter shall be greater than the former. That means everything that Elijah went through, you can do more. No, I can't, Brother Brian. Don't tell God 
what he can do. I promise you, you will hear his voice. And you know what happened in Elijah's life in that moment? God began to speak to him. And he told him about a man named Elisha. And Elisha was just as much of Elijah's legacy than Elijah's acts, than what Elijah did. All because Elijah was willing to listen to the voice. You know what happened to Ahab? He died. You know what happened to Jezebel? She died. Everything that was pursuing him to kill him was taken, was gone. This world may be pursuing you. This world might be able to be willing to take you out, trying to take you out. That's because you're worth taking out. That's because you're worth the attack. You don't care about some person that doesn't love God. He doesn't care about someone that does not focus on God. He does not care about someone that's not willing to try. He cares about the ones that say, you know what, I'm still getting to God. I'm still going to climb the mountain. I'm still going to be here through the wind. I'm still going to be here through the earthquake. And I'm still going to be here through the fire. Because at the end, I know I'll hear the still, small voice. Can we all just stay in this place? Let's begin to pray right now. God, Lord, we come before you right now, God. And in our, in our, in our chaos, in our life, and in, in our illness, in our suffering, in our sickness, God, whatever may come against us in our life, God, we know, Lord God, that there are trials and tribulations uh, and that there are things that will come against us, God, but we know that you've never seen the righteous forsaken, God, that you've never left us, Lord God, that you have been there, God, from the beginning to the end, and you are there right now, God, and I ask you, God, through these trials, uh, through the storm, and through through the mountain quaking in our lives and through the fire, God, I pray, Lord Jesus, God, that you give us the ability to focus in on your voice and to hear your words and listen to your presence. Jesus, precious name we pray. Clap your hands. Give God praise in this place.